0: So, today we're going to talk about fear. You just finished reading The Pit and the Pendulum. And uh, it certainly covers a, a lot about fear, right? And worry and anxiety and terror. What were some of the things that the uh, main character was terrorized by? Rats. The rats. The darkness. The fear of holes. The pit. The now, was he afraid of death so much? Yes, he was afraid of the way in which he would die. The pendulum swinging with a, a giant blade on the on the end of it. The spicy food with no water. All of, all of that. The pitch black darkness. Right. Um, this is really a story about fear. And who can remember Edgar Allan Poe's literary technique that he wants that he uses to get you to experience the fear while you read it? What do you? What does he do to get you to experience it, to sense it? Benjamin? Um, he surrounds you with darkness. With the, um yeah, yeah. He uses sensory language. Mm-hmm. Language that you can see or hear or smell or even taste. That's what he's using there with the spicy food, right? Um, <clears throat> and you're supposed, you're invited to do what? To live or to read it. Does anyone remember that word? Starts with the, Jessica? Yeah, Vicariously. You're supposed to put yourself in the story. That's one of the reasons why the main character doesn't have a name. And this is a a, um, a technique that modern writers and filmmakers use. They want you to live vicariously through the character, through the video game character who's running around the streets, um, raping and pillaging and beating up grandmas and stealing cars and robbing banks. What what video game was that? Yeah, and you're supposed to just live vicariously through that. And, and obviously that's evil. It's genuinely evil. Um, <clears throat> I mean, that's what uh, Edgar Ed and Poe donated to the American literary genre. He really popularized this and really became one of the most famous people for this vicarious experience. No morals, no lessons to the story, at least in, as, as far as he thought, but just a vicarious experience of fear. So this brings up the subject of fear. Right? What is fear? Anyone? It's fear. What are some other words for fear? Maybe terror. Is that a word for fear? Yeah. What's the connotation of the word terror? Terrible. No, the connotation means it's much worse than a typical fear. Right? You could be terrorized by a um, psycho clown with a chainsaw, but most people aren't terrorized by the number thirteen right? If you are, that's sort of irrational, right? Right? It's also worry. Is worry a type of fear? You ever stayed up late at night and just worrying about something in the future? Right? Yeah? I know some of you are smiling. You're worrying about something that's coming, and it's going to be so scary, and you're, you're afraid. Worry is a type of fear, and anxiety is a type of fear, and terror is a type of fear. Everyone experiences fear, right? Right? Now, does the fear, does the thing or the person or the idea have to be right there in front of you, right at your doorstep? Or can it be something far, far away? Yeah, you can be afraid of a particular meeting you're going to have. You might be afraid of a speech that you have to give. Has anyone ever had to give a speech or do an assignment at school and it terrorized them? For weeks, they had this pit in their stomach, Yes, that's fear, right? Does it have to be real to fear it, like a real, legitimate thing? No, no. Or could it be completely and utterly imagined? Mm-hmm. Like how many, uh, how many of you have ever experienced fears over something in the future that never had even happened before? It never had happened? If it's in the future and it's never happened, is it real? No. It doesn't even exist, Right? and yet we are afraid of it. Oftentimes, we're afraid of things in the future that we think might happen. They don't even yet exist, and then they never do happen. And we realize we had no reason to be so worried and anxious and afraid that whole time. Does it have to be... Does it have to make sense for it to make you afraid? What are some things that people are afraid of that make no sense? (sighs) Hmm, Interesting. Spiders. Spiders, yes. I think spiders is... A genuinely irrational fear. Although there are a lot of people that might be upset for us saying that. <laughs> now, I would be afraid of a spider on me because they're poisonous. That's not irrational. But just seeing a spider in a picture or on a movie, that, you know, that shouldn't cause you to run screaming through the, through the house. Do what? Cockroaches, yeah. Crickets. Mice. Rats. Clowns. I to cringe more than scream. I was deathly afraid of people singing "Happy Birthday" to me as a kid. Yes, I would it's just public attention, public scrutiny, the all-seeing eye watching me underneath his mariachi hat, singing to me "Feliz Navidad." It was one of the greatest terrors of my childhood. I can remember climbing under the table and just just grabbing hold of my mom's legs. No, make them go away. Right? Are there any fears that really do make sense, though? Uh, Spiders. Your aunt. <laughs> Not going to heaven. Uh, yeah, uh, the fear of hell. That's a, a good thing to be afraid of. Hell is scary. To be afraid of God. That makes sense. The Bible even commands us to, to be afraid <laughs> of God. He who can kill the body and send the soul to hell. Yep. Anything else? Judgment. Judgment. We're kind of saying the same thing over and over again here, though. <laughs> what? A lake full of alligators that you're in. Uh, being in a lake filled with massive alligators—that is a genuine thing to be afraid of. Or an ocean full of sharks. Yeah, you know, an ocean filled with sharks. Now there are plenty of people that say we shouldn't be we should not be afraid of sharks, but I don't know. I don't know about that. I can remember as a kid, uh, there was this culvert system near my house, and I and I crawled into the culvert to uh, to explore it. And then, uh, floating up through one of the main rooms of the culvert was a red balloon. Not really. No, (laughs) that sounds creepy though, right? Um, actually I remember as I was exploring this culvert system, you know, you're crawling through these things and there was one culvert that, um, it went kind of sharply down and you couldn't see where it was going. It went into like sort of a dark area and, um, That was one I didn't explore Um, because, I mean, to be afraid of unknown tunnels that go into the darkness underground and that are made to convey water is a thing to genuinely be scared of because you cannot breathe underwater, right? And you don't know if that culvert goes down, does it come back up anywhere, to be a trapped underground in a culvert in the dark with the water right, rising, it, like down it curved in such a way that you couldn't see what we would happen. Like up. some culverts, you can look through and you can see the light at the end of it. So you have a general idea of the, where this is going when you take this risk, right? But this, there was no knowing. It, this would have been a, a it, could have, it could have drowned me or, or gotten me stuck and no one would have been able to find me. Is that something to genuinely be afraid of? Mm-hmm. Yes, for sure. And God gives us these genuine fears to help us make it to adulthood, right? To be afraid of walking on the edge of the Grand Canyon is a thing you should genuinely be afraid of. Many people die falling off the edge of the Grand Canyon. Taking a selfie. Even taking selfies. Not, not professional rock climbers, just people that don't have a legitimate fear of falling, there's some things we should be legitimately afraid of. God gives us those things, I think, in many ways to preserve us from unnecessarily dying right or hurting ourselves. Should you be afraid of fire and vipers and copperheads and yeah, I mean all of these things are these are good and they help us preserve life right but um, <clears throat> um what should we fear more than anything God, and isn't it interesting that? In our world, God is perhaps the thing people fear the least. They're, they're blinded in their mind. All right now in our story, our character, he's afraid of a lot of things. Torture. <clears throat> the next torment that they have designed for him. And were any of you, did you have anxiety or fear when you, when you read it? It, just, it really didn't capture you. Knew you kind of already knew what was going to happen. Well, we, we read the... the um, <laughs> You read the summary. And I think you'd have to you'd have to really get into it and really let yourself go to and not just do it as a homework assignment where you're just trying to get get over it. But uh, we watched me and the kids and, and Emily watched a movie last night, I think it was called Fall. And it's about these rock climbers who decide to ascend to the top of the fourth largest structure in the country. And it was a a tower. And they get to the top, and they're standing on the top of this huge tower. And the camera, you can see, like, you know, you're way up high. And the whole time, the, the tower is shaking, and the bolts are creaking, and the ladder is quivering, and rust is, like, falling. And so you're having, you're literally feeling anxiety and fear as you watch the movie. Isn't the ladder yeah, and then, then they, uh, they hang from the top of the tower just to get a, a, a selfie. to to go on their YouTube channel. And the whole time, you're just like, oh, you're so stressed. We finally had to turn it off. It was just so stressful. Like my legs were stressed. um, And my stomach kind of hurt just from vicariously experiencing the stress in this particular movie. That's that's how camera, um, you know, filmmakers can use um, pictures and video to elicit fear in you the watcher. And that's kind of fun. You know, some suspense movies are fun to watch and some are not fun to eat your dinner to. Right? It's just too just too uh too stressful. All right? So, Edgar Allan Poe, he kind of he wants to provoke fear in in the reader. So, um what about our world though? What about in our culture? What are people afraid of out there in the world? Pain. what'd you say? Pain. Well, sure, pain. That's Legitimate to be afraid of. But, I mean, if you turn on the television, what are the fears that are being pumped in front of people's minds constantly? Oh, COVID. Happy. Pandemics. Russia. Russia. Putin. Trump. <gasps> Trump, Trump Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> no, diseases. Oh, diseases of various kinds. Yeah, well, but but Jesus too. There is a thing called Christian phobia, which uh, we're going to talk about in a second. There's entire movies Design, like the Handmaid's Tale, where they tell of a dystopian future where Christians are in charge and they persecute women and, and don't let them have abortions and, and all these like things to be really afraid of. Be, be scared of the Christians. What about nuclear war, right? I'm hearing that on the news all the time. Economic collapse, um, experimental vaccines, government overreach, unemployment, insurrection, liberals taking over, You know, gays taking over. There's no, depending on what, depending on what news channel you turn to, you're going to get a different set of fears. Pay attention now. Don't get distracted. Depending on which news channel you put it on, you're going to get a different set, set of fears and they dull those out for their particular audiences so that people can, um, you know, really, uh, I think it's almost addictive, kind of. It's almost addictive. And, uh, our, and our world is uh, certainly afraid of that. Um, but, and how does our culture deal, deal with their fears? They, Drugs, okay. They, uh, they come to the government for help. Like, they cling to the government. Yes, and I think you've, we've seen this as we've studied this year. Fear is often a, a tactic used by ty- tyrannical bureaucracies to um, encourage the people to give up more freedom. And uh, so, it's, so it's a sort of a propaganda tactic. You know, that's a, uh, Hitler used that. What was the fear that he pumped in front of the people? The Jews, yeah. the, Jews the Jews are, are, um, are uh, <clears throat> coming for us. We need to get rid of them. You know, that that's kind of a, a thing that governments do uh, all the time. And, and new, news organizations do it to get more viewers, um, what were you gonna say, In book, Uh They said Julius Caesar. They hadn't appointed him because they were scared of like all the rebels and stuff. That's how, right. What book? I how shall we did. then live? Francis Schaeffer. Yeah, they they gave over their power to Caesar, the tyrant, because they were afraid of the barbarian hordes. When um when COVID began to spread, um, our nation went into a state of emergency, which gave the the president and his administration overweening power to stop the spread of COVID. And, and we all see where that, where that led. You know, lockdowns, economic collapse, inflation, forced uh, mandatory vaccines, unemployment for some people. That's what happens when you give over your freedoms to someone out of fear. And the Bible says we shouldn't walk by fear, but by what? Faith, Faith in the promises of God. That's right. But on an individual basis, not a national basis, on an individual basis, how do people in our world, or how are they instructed to deal with their fears? Just as an individual, like let's imagine a, a 17 year old girl who is afraid of not fitting in and that people are going to judge her for her uh, looks or for her personality or her clothing. Um, how would the world counsel her to deal with that fear? It's their fault. They, she needs, I'm sorry, what, it's Benjamin? Their fault. Whose fault? The um, world. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's not, it's not you. It's them. Okay. Anything else? I don't think y'all have really got to the heart of most techniques. What, what did you say? Uh, getting a therapist. They, they need some sort of a life coach or a therapist. That would be in extreme cases, yes. I think that's definitely what the world would say. Find some expert who can apply certain techniques um, to help you get over your fear. But y'all still haven't gotten to the main one. When we were watching the movie, okay, uh, the girl, uh, she was terrified of climbing the tower. And her friend said, you got this. You can do this. You're strong. What is essentially she saying? Believe in yourself. Well, she's flattering her, yes, as a form of manipulation to get her to go on the tower with her. But she's saying, have faith in yourself, Right. Of faith in yourself, which is what religion? What do we call that? Humanism. Humanism. That's right. Diametrically opposed to Christianity, which says to believe in God. Right? So the world would say, believe in yourself. I think the world would also say, believe in the, the power of uh, the government. You know, in the movie, the, the, the friend always said, I'm here for you. I'm here for you. And she would reach her hand out to help her up to the next rung. And I'm thinking, what good are you going to do up there? She's basically saying, believe in yourself and believe in me. Together we stand. Unity. We are the world. We can make a brighter place if we all just believe in ourselves and believe in one another. You can see this is the religion of humanism. It's faith in man. Faith in man. That is not the key to handling fears, though, and worries and anxieties. What about the tactic? Another tactic we saw in the movie was that, they, that the girl needed to face her fears. Face your fears. Right, when I was a kid and I was afraid of the monsters under the bed, my dad would make me get out of the bed and lay on the ground and look under the bed because he wanted me to face my fear. Do you think that works? Well, it worked that night at least, you know. I think that works with irrational fears. Like fears that aren't actually something to be afraid of, but if you're afraid of heights, facing your fears may not be Just the best jump. solution. <laughs> right? If you're you you're saying you know. it's not that I'm afraid of heights, it's that I'm afraid of falling from heights. You know, and splat. Face your fears. Right. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you know, I, I think maybe facing your fears is is something you should, that can help you. Um, if it's an irrational fear, that's because the truth is, is helpful. You know, the truth sets you free. And the truth that there really was no monster under my bed was something that helped me, set me free, at least for that night, you know, for a little while so I could go to sleep. But real fears, how do you deal with real fears? Things you should genuinely be afraid of, like public speaking. right, <laughs> Or taxes. Right? Or the IRS with all their guns or or the, the wrath of God, right? The wrath of God. How do you deal with genuine fears? You know, that you're going to get fired for a mistake that you made. That's a genuine fear. How do you handle those things? Believe in yourself. Believe in community. Believe in others. Face your fears and man up to it. What was the, uh, oh yeah, the uh, stranger things. Remember, he was... He kept having these nightmares, and, and the, uh, the stepdad told him, the way I, I deal with my fears is I stand up to them and I face them. Well, he stood up to the fear, remember, in the dream, and he faced it, and the thing ended up, like, possessing him. <laughs> yeah, no, real fears, you're not strong enough to face. You, you can't just you'll face your fears. That works for the number 13 or for pictures of spiders, right? That doesn't work for the wrath of God. Right? Or death. The sting of death has been taken away by whom? Jesus. Jesus. That's right. Death now, if you're a Christian, only opens to you the gate of heaven. It's not anything to genuinely be afraid of. Right? But how do you get control over real fears? Um, Does anyone know what the Bible says? It says to cast your fears upon the Lord. That's right. Cast your fears upon the Lord. And how do you cast your fears upon the Lord? How do you put them on his shoulders? Yeah, you have to trust him that he's going to save you, that he's going to protect you, that he knows what's best for you. But how can you actively put your fears on Jesus? You pray, you pray and, you, and you say, Jesus, take the wheel, right? As, uh, <clears throat> as the philosopher Carrie Underwood said, right? Underwood. <clears throat> yes. Yeah, you, you, ca- you pray to God and you, and you give him your fears and you ask him for help to overcome the anxiety and the fear, um, because you know deep down that He is watching over everything. What does Jesus say? He says, uh, Fear not for what you shall eat, or what you shall wear, or for what clothes you will put on. Uh, fear not for what you need, because your Father knows what you need before you even ask. Have y'all ever heard that passage before? Right? <clears throat> and uh, He says, He says that flowers look prettier than even Solomon looked in all of his splendor. So you don't need to worry about, you know, having enough clothes and, and your image and all that, because if God clothed flowers, which are here today and gone tomorrow, he's certainly going to clothe you, right? Y'all know this passage. Mm-hmm. So you can always do that. You can think, you know, not only do you cast your cares on him, but you can be like, well, let me think about, it. you can consider flowers can be like, well, he clothed them and they don't even have a sewing machine or a factory they don't harvest cotton. I'll be fine, right? And he says, uh, don't worry about what you're going to eat. And because he says every day he gives birds food and they don't have barns and they don't have tractors. And he gives them food every single day. And, you, and you, you've seen a bird. They're not worried about nothing, right? No. So you can consider how he takes care of the animals and how much more valuable are you than the animals, Right? So, those are some of the things. The Bible has a lot to say about fears and how to deal with them. <clears throat> um, if you are in sin, though, should you be afraid? Yes. Even if you're a Christian, though, right? Because why? Because God disciplines his children, right? But there's a solution to being that sort of afraid. If you're afraid of unrepentant sin, you're secretly cheating on your tests and you've been doing it all school year and you're afraid of getting caught and you're afraid that God's going to judge you and you're afraid you might not be a Christian. There's an easy way to be over that fear. Stop doing it, right? (laughs) Confess it to God. Confess it to your teacher. And stop doing it. It's easy. Or you're, you're afraid of whatever secret sin you have. There's a quick solution. Whether it's a pornography addiction or a drug addiction. Or you have anger in your heart towards somebody. Um, and the Bible says people with anger in their heart towards people are deserving of hell. And so you're worried about that. You have a fear about that. All you got to do is confess it and repent. And that fear will go away. Isn't that something? So there's ways to deal with your fear. And they all basically mean trust in the promises of God. Right? Trust in the character of God and the promises of God, right? The Bible says in Proverbs 28, 1, the wicked flee when no one pursues. So you know what that means, right? They're scared. Their conscience troubles them. They're so riddled with guilt that they're afraid all the time for nothing. They, they hear a, a bump in the night, and they're, finally my, my uh, creation has come back to haunt me. That's sort of the, the whole horror genre, isn't it? They're afraid of their unrepentant guilt. But the horror genre doesn't work on Christians who have atonement, right? In the horror genre, there is no atonement. The ghosts come for you, right? It comes for you because of your, your uh, or Pennywise comes for you because of your unrepentant sins. But Christianity nullifies that particular thing, right? All right, well, that's good. We're gonna go uh, in our books and read another uh, Poe short story here.